Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. It is great to be here this morning. I, I don't know about you, but if we don't see any more snow for 2022, like I think I'll be good with that. I think. Now, well, let me let me put an asterisk by that because my wife loves the snow, so like. We can see it come down. Does it have to stick or can we just watch it come down? All right. Sometimes it can stick. It can be the little fluffy stuff. The, the fluffy was stuff that, like, doesn't break your back to shovel. Like, that's the okay snow. Like, I'll take that snow. But that wet stuff that is, like, hurting you, like, you shovel your driveway and think, you know what? My neighbor needs their driveway shoveled. And then you regret that for the next three or four days. Oh, man. Nothing tells you your age like shoveling snow. Right? Because my kids are like, can we help them? Yes, you can. You can help. You're not doing a good job, but keep doing it. Because <laughs> I need help. Oh, man. What a great Sunday. Uh, I'm excited to continue on this series. Uh, I want to share with you one of my favorite movies. Uh, people ask all the time, Pastor Kevin, what's your favorite movie? Well, I don't know. I have lots. But one of my favorite movies is the original Matrix. And so I remember when it came out, I remember what the DVD cover looks like. I may own the box set somewhere. It's probably in, a, in some kind of tub somewhere when people actually own DVDs. Like now that's a thing. You used to make fun of people with cassette tapes. And now it's like, you got a DVD collection? What is that? Like, I, I don't know. My kids aren't going to really get that. Like they had the little bins underneath their bed, but they're not going to like have those when they grow up. It's crazy. But I, I loved this movie so much that I actually purchased the DVD. And it was one of the very first movies that I had surround sound with. And I may or may not, may or may not have turned the sound up so loud that during one of the shootouts, the entire surround sound just shut down. Like it just, it, it peaked so much that it just cut off and I had to turn it back on and figure out what I did and hope that I didn't break the whole thing. But I love this movie. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when the main character, Neo, he, he's starting to, to learn about the world that he thought was real and the world that actually is real. And, and they go into the fighting scene, and Morpheus and Neo are fighting. And Morpheus is telling him the whole time, like, stop trying to hit me and just hit me. I can see Lawrence Fishburne right now. Like, I'm watching it in my mind play out. And then after they do that, you know, Neo's like, I know what you're trying to do. And he's like, I'm just trying to tell you you're faster than what you think. Like, none of the rules that you think apply actually apply. And I love the part at the end where he's like, you think that's air you're breathing? Hmm. And then he says, Tank, load the jump program. And they load the jump program. And immediately they're transported to a city building. And there's another city building way over there. And he looks at Neo and he says, you have to let it all go. Fear, doubt, and disbelief. And then he turns and Superman jumps to the next building. And then I just see it on his face and our face. Because if that was us, we would look exactly like Neo at the time. Like he goes over to the edge and is like, let it all go. Okay. And then he backs up and he's like, okay, okay. Like he's, he's getting ready, right? And he runs and then he falls as soon as he jumps over the edge and he doesn't quite make it. Like we all were hoping that he would make it. At least I was as I was watching it. But the truth happened that even though he was told something, what he believed still affected him as if it were true. 
See, even though Morpheus was telling him, like, none of this is real, you can do this, you can do even more, the truth that he had already taken in, even though it wasn't true, was still affecting him. What he believed kept him grounded that he actually couldn't do what Morpheus was telling him that he can do. And the, true, the same thing happens for us, that if we believe a lie or we believe something to be true, it will affect us as if it were true. And that's important for us, not because we're trapped in the matrix and we all need to wake up and realize that, that robots are taking over. Not, not that, but we want to be different. We want to live differently this year. We want to experience God in a different way. And that means that we are going to have to let go of some of the things that we've believed. Because if we're going to be built differently, then I, I want to challenge you today that we have to begin to believe different. And I'm not just talking about um, believing that we can leave things behind. And, and I'm going to leave this up here so that you can see it. For the next few weeks, when you come in, you can look at the things that, that God challenged you to leave behind. And you can continue to see that it's there. Like, you didn't pick it back up. It's still there. It's still nailed to the cross. Like, you can walk away, but I want you to take it a step further. We talked about it having a different pace, but I want you to begin to believe differently that not only are you running at a different pace, but you're now running in a new direction. That there are now things that God wants you to do that your, your life, your story can be different if you would begin to believe different. And I hope you're ready to be challenged today. I hope you're ready to have some fun. Um, I hope you're ready to talk back at me a little bit because that helps me to move along in my notes and stop reading everything. So the louder you are, the more engaged you are, the better I get. So if I'm doing really bad, get really loud, and then I'll get really good. Is that a deal? Let's pray this morning. Jesus, as we continue to want to be built different, to want to be who you've created us to be, Lord, I pray that as we look into your word, in your presence, that you speak to us. Speak to us through the text. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray even that the words that would come out of my mouth, they may be landing differently in someone's ear because you're speaking directly to them. God, we want more of who you are. We want to believe differently. So, Lord, help us to see that, that things can be different, that we can live a different story, a different life. And, and, God, I pray that you would anoint me as I communicate your word to your people. Help me to do it clearly and confidently so that they hear you and less of me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22. I'm going to warn you ahead of time, as you flip to 2 Samuel 22, or as you pull up your Bible app and, and you put that on, you're going to come across a list of names. And there, there are some times when we come across a list of names that most of us lose interest with the list that's in front of us. I'll speak just for myself. Sometimes when you come up against these names and it's like, how do you pronounce these names? Like, what were parents thinking back then? Like, did they not understand that kids will make fun of you for crazy names? Like, and so you look at them and you're like, I, I can't pronounce these. I'm not even going to read this. So then you skip over paragraphs of, of lists of names because you feel like, who cares about a list? But see, sometimes, and, and you'll find that if you skip over these things, man, you're going to miss out on some great pieces 
in Scripture. So the Bible is definitely not boring. And where we're going to read today is actually a list of David's mighty men. And we're just going to uh, zoom in on, on one particular character and a few scriptures about him. So let's read at verse 20. It says, There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many great heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once, armed only with a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like this made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of his bodyguard. See, if you get caught up in the names and the lists, you would miss out on some great action. You would miss out on, on some really cool stuff. And as I begin to look at this, I, I just wrote down, like, uh, normal people don't do this stuff. Like, this is the stuff that movies are made out of. Like, superheroes are written uh, about like this. Because normal, average people like me, like, we don't do that. Or, or do we? You know, I mean, th these are crazy things, like... I know, you know, some of you would engage in, in fighting two guys at once or, or looking at, at someone taller, like, but chasing lions? Like, now we're a little bit um, out of there. Most of us run from lions if there was a lion in front of us. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to try to not be the slowest in the room. I ain't got to be the fastest. If there's a lion in front of me, I just have to outrun you. That's all I really would be worried about. <laughs> And that's the universal you, so it's any of you. <laughs> just got to be faster than at least one of you. But normal people don't do what we just read about. But different people do. People that choose to be different, that, that begin to, to think that their lives can be a little bit different, they do. And when we see this, I jump automatically to, like, what he does, the actions, right? Like, how do you do that? And we feel like that's what sets people apart, but... His actions don't actually give us the true story because before the action happened, it actually started with his belief. He had to believe that he could win. He had to believe that there was something different about him. He had to believe that victory was imminent or else he would have never jumped in to the fight. And so I want to encourage you this morning that our actions or the outcome isn't what really sets us apart, but it's the belief that we can do what God says that we can do. That we actually are who he says that we are. It starts with the belief. And this year, in order to believe it different, if we want uh, to see God do incredible things, we have to then believe that God will send us opportunities. And we have to believe that we can seize the opportunities that he brings our way. Easier said than done, maybe. But I'm going to give you a few things this morning that will help you to believe differently. The first thing is this. Don't believe the odds. Don't believe the odds. I mean, let's look back at his story right here, or just these few pieces that we see. If you write all these things down, the odds were not in Benaiah's favor. If you look, he's fighting two guys at one. There's two on one from the get-go. And then um, we look at how they're even talked about, like, these are two guys described as lion-like men. So if that meant that they were hairy, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that was it, like... They just had long, flowing, beautiful hair. Maybe that was it. Or were they fierce like lions? Were they built like lions? Were they larger than most guys? Like Whatever it was, 
But there were two of them and only one of Benaiah. And it doesn't describe Benaiah. So we don't know if he looked like me or if he looked like Cam. Like, if he looked like Cam, it's like, all right, I can see you beating two guys that look like lions. But, like, if it's me, <laughs> I don't know if that's working. Right? And then he says, he, he goes up against a lion. And I automatically think back to Samson, like, did Benaiah think, I could be Samson today. Samson ripped a lion in half with his bare arms. But, but it, then he says, like, it doesn't even measure up to the same that Samson did. He went a step above. Most of us, I, like, think about this. It doesn't say that the lion chased him into the pit and then he killed the lion. It says that he chased the lion into the pit. And what do you got to do to a lion that it runs the other way? And if you're standing face to face with a lion, like most people are not betting on the person. Most people are betting on the lion, right? The odds are not in your favor. And then it, it lets us know that this happened during winter. There was a snowy day that this happened. The lion would have been probably the most fierce during that time because lots of animals hibernate. Where's it going to get its food? So we, this just wasn't a fight. He was looking to eat Benaiah. That was going to be dinner for him. And Benaiah chooses a day to fight him that, you know how it is in snow. Most of us are worried about falling down during snow. We're worried about our mobility. And he jumps into a pit on a snowy day and kills a lion. The odds were not in his favor. The Egyptian that he fights there, uh, First Chronicles tells us that that Egyptian was seven and a half feet tall. And here's what's really cool about this is as you begin to look at the mighty men that David had around him, the giant killer David had gathered some giant killers on his team. So he gets this guy seven and a half feet tall. It says Benaiah has a club. Actually, it says he had a shepherd's staff. So one guy had a spear, a giant spear. The other guy has a stick. Who are you betting on? And, and so that's why I'm telling you, like, you cannot believe the odds. And, and I love what Benaiah does when he encounters the Egyptian. Man, I got a stick. You got a spear. I think I'll take your spear, and then I'll win the fight. And, and as I was preparing for today, I, I feel like someone needs to hear that this morning that you, you feel like in your battle against the enemy and with the enemy that you have nothing to fight with. And he's got all the weapons in the world that he is using against you. And maybe God would speak to you this morning and say, you know what? It's time to take back the weapon that he has in his hand. That whatever he's using against you, if it's shame, if it's something that you've done in your past, that you grab that from him and you reclaim and you say, you know what? I used to be ashamed of this, but I nailed it to the cross and Jesus redeemed it. And now I'm not only going to take it from you, I'm going to use it against you to win this fight. We need to stop letting him just abuse us. Take what he's using and use it against him. That was for free. But the odds, don't, don't believe the odds. Because the odds don't have to be in your favor when God is on your side. Because here's how, when I look through scripture, oftentimes God doesn't actually show up until the, the task is humanly impossible. And so we're hoping that God shows up at the beginning of the fight and maybe he's waiting until it looks like you've spent all your strength and all your energy fighting. You have nothing left and that's when God shows up. You don't have to have the odds on your side or in your favor because God is on your side. I don't want you to forget that when things look hopeless, that's when God does some of his best work. When it looks like there's no way, that's when God does some of the greatest things that we've ever experienced because the greater the odds 
the greater the glory God gets in showing up. And then the greater the story it is that we get to tell other people about the God that we serve. So you can't believe the odds. Our belief has to be rooted in a God that knows no limits. That the odds don't affect him. Impossible is something that I feel like he's like, I got this. I like that they think it's impossible. Let's do it again. That when he hears those words, when we pray and tell him, God, this looks impossible. I don't know how this is going to work. He's like, good, because now I got this. I'll show you how it's going to work. So keep in step with him. Keep moving with him. Listen to what he's saying. I want to remind you that God wants you to get where he wants you to go more than you actually want to get there. So if you continue to keep step with him, if you continue to listen to him, the odds may not ever be in your favor, but God is still on your side. So keep moving, keep listening to him. It doesn't matter what the people around you are saying. Jordan plays basketball, and there will be times where um, we all sit kind of in one area, and, and every now and then you hear what the other team's parents are saying, right? And so Jordan will come down, and, and somebody will yell out like, oh, he can't dribble, get the ball. I'll just be sitting there. And then Jordan, there's at least one time in every game where he does something. I'm like, dang, where did he learn that? Because I was not that good a basketball player at 10 years old. And he, he hit this one move on somebody. He crossed him and then hit this step back jumper, nothing but net. And the coach on the other team was like, oh, gosh. And I just, as a parent, and I hear the people saying that he can't, or you can do this to him, or you can do that. And then when he does exactly what the other people were saying that he couldn't, as a parent, I just sit there and smile. This is my kid over there. And, and you know what? I want to encourage you because when you begin to believe that God is with you and you can defy the odds with him, that as you begin to take steps of faith, his smile is just like that. He's looking and saying, yep, there's Lamar. People told him that he couldn't do what he's doing. They said he couldn't step out on his own and lead people to Jesus. He couldn't grow disciples. He couldn't do all this. But as Lamar keeps stepping out and does what God is telling him to do, God is up there like, there's my boy. Look at him. Look at him. Say he can't do it again. Watch what he does. Watch him defy the odds with me on his side. That's what God does. Don't let God be reduced to the size of your problem. Sometimes when we see that the odds are stacked against us, we begin to pray against the odds rather than praying to the God who is for us. We worry about who's against us and why it's unfair instead of just leaving it in the hands of the God who is for us. Romans tells us that if God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. It doesn't matter how bad the odds look. It doesn't matter how much it seems like we can't win. God is still God. And if he is on our side, he doesn't need the odds to be in his favor. So if you're at work and, and you feel the stress and the demands of work and your boss is horrible and it is draining, I want to remind you that God can still work your work for your good. That if your marriage might be on the rocks, there's relationship struggles that you're having, God is still in the restoring business. And if the bills are piling up, God is still in the providing business. And if you just got a diagnosis that you're struggling with, God is still in the healing business. And if there are loved ones that don't know Jesus, God is still in the calling, the saving, and the restoring business. And if you're struggling with a new direction, new hope, new way of life, new jobs, God is still in the anointing business. That it doesn't matter if the odds are stacked up against you. Don't believe the odds. Believe in a God that defies the odds this morning.
Don't believe the odds. The next thing, don't believe the lies. And and this one is is a tough one because sometimes, man, the lies, they disguise themselves in a lot of different ways. Our emotions, our fears, sometimes our thoughts. Um, But, man, they are powerful, right? You know, as I was researching thoughts on on our our minds and the lies that we believe, I found um, a a, a literary scholar. And I want to read you what he wrote. His Here's, here's what the, the literary, lyrical scholar N.F. reminds us in his literary work, The Search. He says this, that if you look at your face every day when you get up and think you'll never be great, you'll never be great, not because you're not, but the hate will always find a way to cut you up and murder your faith. Let me say that a little bit slower so that you can catch that. The song started playing. If you really want to hear it, you should ask Alexa. She could do this whole song. If you look at your face every day when you get up, And you think you'll never be great, you'll never be great. Not because you're not, but the hate will always find a way to cut you up and murder your faith. What's he saying? He's saying there will always be mental lions that stand in your way. If you get up and you believe a lie every day and you tell yourself that lie in the morning, then it doesn't matter. If you can really do the opposite of that, you've already bought in and it is killing your faith. So we can't let the mental lions that may stand in front of us keep us from what God has us to do. We have to begin to unlearn what we think is possible. We have to allow ourselves to step back from all of the things that we're afraid of. Because fear sometimes is is killing us. It, it, It debilitates us and makes us stand still. And it shows up all over the place. Some of us are afraid of the unknown. Others of us, success is ingrained in us. So we don't want to fail. The world is scary. So I'll just stay in my little comfort zone, my bubble. Others of us are are worried, what will happen if I do this and no one else follows me? What if I do this and I'm all by myself? God, can you really do this? And then that's when the conversation begins to happen. We have these conversations in our mind. God, did you really tell me to do this? And then we start having them out loud with ourselves. Can I can I take this step, God? God, are you really asking me to do this? Can, can I really? And then the enemy will show up and we begin to have conversations like, can I really begin to believe different? And not just believe different, but can I act different? Can I respond different to what God is asking me to do? Can I believe that what he's telling me that I can do, I can actually do? I just want to tell you this morning just two simple words that's going to seem like, okay, but it's still the truth. Be brave. Be brave. Courage and bravery isn't the absence of fear. For us, I want to tell you how I'm brave and how you can be brave is to remember who is with you. I'm not brave and and courageous because I think, man, I can do this on my own. I'm afraid on my own. But when I remember that God is with me, Then I can be brave. Then I can take a step. Because in the darkest places, in the hopeless moments, that's where I find God showing up again and again. I want to remind you the story of Joseph that we see in the Old Testament. In the book of Genesis, we read about this guy who is trapped in a pit. And then he's a slave in somebody else's house. And then he's thrown in prison. And then he makes it to the palace. And I'm like, oh, yeah, God is with him in the palace. He's there. He made it. But if you look back at his story, you'll find the darkest places. The most alone places, the places where he's probably hurting the absolute most. Scripture tells us that that is when Joseph learns that God is with him. 
that in those moments where he probably thought he was alone, that God showed up enough that he found out that God was still with him and he could be brave. And then one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture David reminds us in Psalm 23, 4, that there will be points in all of our lives where we will have to walk through some of the scariest, darkest places. It will feel like you're in a valley overshadowed by death, but I don't have to fear because God is with me. Not because you're strong, not because I'm strong, not because I can do it. I don't have to fear because God is still with me, so don't believe the lies, don't believe your emotions, don't believe the thoughts that you can't anymore, don't let them lead you. Failing may happen every now and then, rejection may happen every now and then, but keep facing it. Keep facing it and allow there to be a holy confidence that is built because God is still standing with you. And believe that your past failures don't determine your future success. The enemy hopes to keep you looking at what you failed at. Because he knows that if he keeps you looking back a little bit, that you can't really run at full speed. You can't really go anywhere else. And if he keeps you looking back long enough, you'll believe that what's back there is more important than what's in front of you. He wants you to be afraid. So I'm going to tell you this morning to take a stand. Take a stand and determine this. Like, if we lose, let's lose because we decided to chase the lion. Let's lose because we decided to stand up to the giants. Let's lose fighting fear and fighting the lies. Let's not lose because we ran away and it got us from behind. Let's lose because we jumped into the pit and we said, today's the day that we win. Today's the day that I become a lion chaser. I'm no longer running. I'm no longer going to be afraid because God is with me. Let's take a stand. See, because sometimes the scariest moments can double as the greatest moments in our lives. What are we reading about right now? We're reading about some scary moments that Benaiah faced that are now some of the greatest things that he can point back in his life and say, man, I did that. Not on my own, but because of what God did through me. And I want to, to help you to see that some of you wrote things on there that terrified you to write down, that made you think, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can leave these things behind. And you were worried, but you wrote it down. And some of you with tears coming down your face, you nailed these things to the cross. And you said, I'm done. I'm leaving them behind. And those moments were scary leading up to it. But now you get to tell the story of when God helped you to leave them behind. You get to point over there and say, man, that used to trap me. It used to keep me down. I used to be addicted. I used to be this. I used to be that. But look, it's over there. I'm not that anymore. The greatest challenge, the greatest fears that I had have now become my greatest stories of God's victories in my life. Let's not live a life full of regret because of fear. Because of lies that we've chosen to believe, we can believe different because God is with us. He is constant when the world is not. He is our anchor that we can hold on to. So don't believe the odds. Don't believe the lies. And then don't believe that where you started is how you finish. See, we get to this part, and I'm looking at Benaiah's life, and I'm like, wow, this dude was incredible. You can read a little bit further and see stuff that happens. Like, But right now we see he's a part of David's mighty men, the 30. That's what he's a part of. But he didn't start out that way. If you flip backwards in your Bible to 1 Samuel 22, it tells us that David started off with a bunch of guys in a cave that were troublemakers. 
They were in trouble or they caused trouble. They were distressed. They were stressed out. They were down on their luck. They were in debt. These men didn't start out great, but they became great. How they started was not at all how they finished. I mean, look at Benaiah. He started out as a soldier working for David. Then he became one of the 30. Then he was promoted to the captain of the bodyguards. And later he will become the general of the army of Israel. If Benaiah was here, he would probably put on a little bit of music and he would say, hey, I started from the bottom, now I'm here. I started from the bottom, now my whole crew, thank you. I was waiting, thank you. Don't leave me hanging like that. But he would tell you, don't, don't believe that where you started is how you finish. So make the most of your opportunities. Some of us look at the small opportunities and we look past them because we're waiting for the big moments. We're waiting for God to hand us the, the big opportunities. We want the big ones. We despise the little ones, but I'm going to tell you, don't despise the small things. Don't despise the small, don't despise the small opportunities because maybe God wants to use where you start to get you to where you're supposed to finish. And that leads me into the last part, like all the things we talked about of don't believe. I want to encourage you to believe different this morning. I want you to believe that your past can develop you for your future, not destroy your future. I mean, what led David to think he could defeat Goliath? He began to tell story after story of there were sheep, and I was watching them, and then someone came in, something came in and took them. You know what prepared David for Goliath was the lion's and the bears that he faced. Maybe God has put a lion square in front of your path, right in front of your path, so that the story you tell later is built on the lion. Maybe the key to what God has for you in your life is tied around the neck of that lion. Are you going to run from the lion, or will you chase the lion? Will you allow what is in front of you, the greatest challenge that God has put, might give you the greatest God-ordained moments and opportunities? What if they're the keys to who you're supposed to be? If you keep running from them, if you keep praying prayers that, that ask God to, to remove you from these situations, if we keep praying like, God, can you subtract things from my life? But I believe that God wants you to begin to pray about multiplying the faith that's in your heart. I mean, what is it, like, could God's answer to prayer, if, if I'm praying about this situation in front of me, maybe the answer is not God take me out, but what God can get out of me in this situation. What if he's waiting for me to take a step of faith? And that's the answer to prayer. And God is hoping that I will begin to make a move for him. So let's stop asking God to get us out of hard circumstances and start asking him, what's, what does he want us to get out of these hard circumstances? I want you to begin to believe that God's way of connecting the dots is way better than your way of connecting the dots. You see, I can create my own picture in connecting the dots and a lot of times, for me, I'll be honest with you, that picture is just going to be a straight line. I don't want any diversions. I don't want any jagged lines. I just need a perfectly straight line. But I want you to begin to believe that God can connect your dots in a better way than you can. And in a way that leaves a picture that is so much more beautiful and a story that is so much more rich than the story that you would pick for yourself. One of my favorite portions of scripture to read is found in Philippians 1 that simply reminds me that if God starts it, 
and finishes it. He has every intention. If he's got you moving in a direction, if he's stuck you in front of a lion and he's in your path and he's in your way, I believe that God brought you there for a reason, not to run from the lion, but to chase the lion, to believe that you can have the victory because of who is with you. You can believe differently if God starts it. He plans on finishing it in your life. Pastor Kevin, that's good to say, but that doesn't work. Well, let me show you how it works. Because if God can turn a shepherd into a king, if he can take some not great guys and turn them into mighty warriors and leaders of armies, if he can take fishermen and turn them into world-traveling, world-changing apostles, then he can make us lion changers. And he can take us to places that we've only dreamed of or maybe never dreamed of, places that we thought were out of reach. I want to tell you this morning that the grace for your life doesn't have an expiration date. See, some of you have bought the lie that you tried and failed. Or you let an opportunity pass you by and you're never going to get another one again. There's a guy in Scripture, his name is Moses. And you can find his story in the book of Exodus. And Moses thought that he could be the man. He could help his people. They were in slavery. And he thought, I can, I can save them. I can deliver them. And so he stands up and he kills an Egyptian. And no one follows and he runs, afraid for his life. He spends 40 years on the backside of a desert taking care of sheep. I wonder if he thought that he only got one shot. There were no more opportunities. There were no more moments that what he felt on the inside, that maybe God was leading him to do this. Maybe he thought something was wrong and I can fix it. Maybe he thought that, man, I tried and failed. Now I'm a murderer. Now I'm wanted. Now I'm a criminal. God's never going to want to use me again. And then on an average day, God showed up one more time. So I want to encourage you this morning, the grace, the opportunities, the anointing that God has for you hasn't run out. The enemy wants to convince you that you've missed it, that God's not going to trust you again, that he's not going to offer something to you again. But that's not how I see God. I see a, a God that finds people when they're alone and they feel like they can't any longer and says, you know what, you can't, but we can. Why don't you walk with me a little bit? Why don't you trust in me? I find Jesus chasing down Peter after he denied him, after he went back to being a fisherman and said, you know what, this isn't who you are. Come let me be and let me show you who you really are. Your anointing is not over. The call on your life is not gone. Who you're supposed to be wasn't spent on your past mistakes or your past failures. That God still has grace. He still has anointing for now. If you will choose to follow him. If you will choose to believe different. If you will choose to ignore the odds that are against you. If you will ignore the lies. If, if you will ignore where you started determines where you finish. If you will believe different this morning, you will believe then that God's going to bring you another opportunity. And that then you can respond differently. And the outcome can be different. You can have stories that look like this. I mean, let's believe that if God is bringing us to the lion, that we can chase the lion. I know it's scary. I know that God moments are oftentimes overwhelmingly terrifying. But so is not taking any risk. Can you imagine standing in front of God and him pulling out a book and saying, hey, on this day I gave you this opportunity and 
you passed it by. On this day, I set you up to change the world, but you passed it by. On this day, I gave you an opportunity to talk to your brother about Jesus and you passed it by. Can you imagine the heartbreaking feeling of never taking a risk for God? If you look at it and God shows you all of those opportunities and you didn't take any because you had an excuse, you had a good reason. But maybe we begin to take risks for God. Maybe we begin to chase lions. Maybe we begin to stand up and say, you know what, I know I might fail. I know I might not make this right, but I'm more worried about missing out than I am on messing up. God, use me. Maybe we can begin to believe different. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.